Hello and welcome. You're watching People and Profit on France 24, and I'm Charles Pellegrin. This week, we'll bring you two conversations France 24 recorded at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, about two of the most pressing issues of the day, the rise of artificial intelligence and the green transition. And you'll see how these two seemingly distant topics overlap. Well, first off, generative AI has gone mainstream. So what's the next big thing in tech? Enter quantum computers, new kinds of machines that can solve complex calculations in seconds when it took classical computers decades. Are quantum computers coming closer to our homes? How is competition building up to commercialize them? Well, to understand more, Yuka Royer spoke to Georges-Olivier Raymond, CEO of French supercomputer maker Pascal. We can see here at Davos, at the World Economic Forum, that AI is everywhere. That's the big thing today. And AI is a software solution to our problems today. And these software solutions need a supercomputer to be trained. It's really important. And the challenge is to have this computational power at a low energy cost. Because today we are piling up the processors to be able to train ChatGPT, as an example. And this is super energy intensive. And a quantum computer is a solution to this both challenges, the computational power and very low energy intensive. A decade ago, a quantum computer for most of us was still a stuff of science fiction. There have been some scientific breakthroughs. How has the world changed now? You're right. I mean, quantum computing is developing super fast. Uh, it, it was science fiction a couple of years ago, and now it's, it's a reality. At Pascal, we have customers all over the world, more, more than 40. We are currently implementing their use cases on our processors, and we do that at scale. So we are really solving the, uh, you know, their, their challenges. And this is, this is unique. So uh, yesterday, we were talking about science fiction, proof of concept. Now we are talking about real-world applications. And tomorrow, thanks to our uh, technology, we will enter into production solving the, uh, the, the problem of, of the big corporates in the energy sector for drug discovery at scales and offering an edge compared to classical computing. No one knows where AI is, how far AI is going to go. So how far is quantum computing going to go? Sky is the limit. I mean, it's, um, we are at the very beginning of a journey. Uh, if, if you want to, if, if you want a comparison with classical computing, because I think it helps understanding how it works, we are like in the 60s, 70s of, of classical computing. You know, we, we invented the transistor. We are currently inventing the first chips. And who knows the application that will come? We, we see some of them today. I mentioned drug discovery, the energy sector, just to mention a few. But I think we, we don't know yet the, all the capabilities that quantum computers will bring us. Now, do users need to understand quantum mechanics to be able to Oh, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. We do all the work for, to abstract the complexity of quantum. So basically, at the, at the very end of the day, using, for, to use a quantum computer is exactly like using a classical one. That's reassuring, at least. Now, how soon, though, can quantum computers, you, you mentioned that they're already present, mm -hmm. they're already real in companies, in, for, for businesses and industry, but how soon can we have them in our homes? I, as of today, I don't think that we will have quantum computers in your home. I think it's, uh, um, today they are, we are targeting a business-to-business -business relationship, so they will be installed in data center. It doesn't mean that maybe in the future, 
we will be able to miniaturize them as we did with uh, our classical techniques. Now we have a computer in our, in our pocket, but who knows? But you, you will see the, the impact of your quantum computers in your day-to-day -day life. I can give you a very simple example. We are working with EDF, the French Electricity Utility, and the use, the use case we are working on with them is about how to schedule the charging of a fleet of electrical vehicles. In France, imagine that we have 10, 20 million of, of electrical cars. Everyone is bringing the car on the grid at the same time. How do you keep the grid balanced? You need to schedule the charging tasks. You need to schedule it over the night with a constraint of uh, keeping the grid balanced and that in the morning all the cars are charged. And this is a super complex computational task that you can solve with a quantum computer. So you will see the effect in your day-to-day -day life. So that's the sort of thing that is impossible or near impossible for ordinary computers to do today. Yep. What other examples are there then? Uh, there are other examples in, in drug discovery. With our, com with our technology, we have been able to, uh, to simulate the reactivity of a docking site of a molecules for, for a new drug. And this is key, I mean, to, to speed up the designing of new drugs. So com quantum computing, the technology can be present in healthcare, in medicine, in mm. energy, as you mentioned, so in, across many industries. Absolutely. And the, you have to see the quantum computer as the true enabler of AI. And AI today is in all verticals. So quantum computers will impact all, all the sectors. Georges-Olivier Raymond, thank you so much for joining us on France 24 once again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, in order to avoid climate catastrophe, a new green global energy system needs to be built. And private companies like France's Schneider Electric, which specializes in energy management and digital automation, are playing their part in those efforts. France 24's Yuko Royer spoke with its executive vice president, Olivier Blum, at the World Economic Forum about what it will take to reach global climate goals. A lot has been focused in the public debate on the supply side, you know, but when you look at research that many companies have done, we have done, IEA has done it, uh, we clearly show that 45% of the solution to bring back the planet to 1.5 is related to supply, and 55% indeed is coming from the demand. And the demand, you know, is very simple. It's a combination on how you make energy more efficient, basically, you consume less to achieve the same thing. How you electrify the usage, transportation, home, industry, and it's about circularity. So we've seen a lot of progresses where we see that now people are not asking what to do, they're asking on how to do it. And definitely, again, on the demand side, energy efficient, electrification, and circularity are the big things. And of course, what is the biggest enabler is digital, because that really makes it possible. But going towards automation also means that we need to secure energy. Energy security uh, would be key. How do they correlate? We have seen that one year ago, the topic of security, uh, of energy security was a big topic in, in Europe. It's getting more and more uh, stable, I would say. Access to energy is available in, the, in, in most of the part of the world. I think the key topic is the cost of energy. Of course, you have places in the world where the cost energy is still very much subsidized, so people don't feel the pain. But we have seen in the past one year in Europe that it was not the case anymore because there was a huge inflation. So whether you are in the subsidized market or non-subsidized, Market, sooner or later you will feel the pain. You will have access to energy, but the cost will be higher and higher, and that will compromise your entire economy. And again, we felt the pain in 2023 in Europe. So whether it's a short-term issue 
related to energy security or long term because you want to become net zero, the topic of energy is critical. That's the biggest contributor of CO2 emission. And that's why we have to act very, very fast on the demand side. The recent spike in geopolitical tensions uh, has had an impact, for example, on oil price. How do you see the current spike in regional tensions affecting uh, the energy market? Well, you're absolutely right. That creates a lot of uncertainty. And the problem, you know, of every single crisis, people are putting a lot of attention when there is a crisis. And when the crisis is over, you, you become a bit more relaxed. But the past two or three years have shown that those tensions, those crises in geopolitics, they are here to stay. You know, it might change from one part of the world to another one. Plus, when you combine that for the need to become net zero everywhere in the world, and you see it in Davos that is very high now on the agenda of the government, there is not one single chairman, CEO, who has not put a commitment to become net zero with the roadmap. So again, whether you take it for a short-term reason or long-term reason, you need to put this topic of energy efficiency very, very high on the agenda. You have no other option. In parallel, we need to continue to work on the supply, as you said, to have access to more green energy, to more renewable. That's a must. But the combination of the two is really the solution to make it happen. And how can we ensure that everyone on the planet has access to clean energy, or energy uh, altogether. I mean, there are people uh, in some parts of the world who don't have access to electricity. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very, very important question, and I'm glad you're asking it, because we're always uh, talking probably about the most advanced economy in the world. Uh, but you still have in the world, give or take, 800 million people who don't have access to energy. So we have a Trinidad for instance, created 15 years ago, a, a global access to energy program, where we want to provide solutions for people to have access to energy. But the second point is even more important, is access to clean energy. Because you want people who don't have access to start to be able to enter in the developed world, you know, where they can educate their kids, they can do things during the night because they don't have lights or whatever. But you want this energy to be clean. And of course, the solution you will implement are not exactly the same that we will implement in the developed world. So here, we need more commitment from large companies like Schneider, who can develop R&D solutions to make it happen. But we need, of course, the support from the different governments in different parts of the world to put more incentive, to put more support, to help the NGO also who are involved. So that's a very different ecosystem, but I'm glad you're asking the question because that's a very important part in the equation. Olivier Blum of Schneider Electric, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. That's all for this week. Feel free to watch our previous shows on the France 24 website or by searching People and Profit on the podcast platform of your choice. And you can always reach out to us on social media if you have any questions or comments. In the meantime, thanks for watching and stay tuned to France 24. Off the coast of Norway lies a source of great envy. Rare deep sea minerals. Synthetic biology, 6G, uh, artificial intelligence have that in common that they are enabled by minerals. But the exploitation of this underwater El Dorado could pose an environmental threat. Here you can see the dust from the operation spreading into the water. Any impact would be long lasting. A crucial choice for the future. The need for minerals going forward in the energy transition that we're going through is so great, so saying no 
also has consequences. Watch Norway, the race for deep sea mining, in Reporters on France 24 and France24.com. The history of our world is ever-changing. The flow of information is constantly increasing. We cover all subjects. We verify. We commit. On the ground, in all circumstances, to anticipate the future by understanding the present. We are with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. France 24, an alternative look at the news. Liberté, égalité, actualité.